Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. And we'll talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and they'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. Hello and welcome. My guest today is director. Uh, Rex Piano. He's going to be with us in just a moment. We're going to talk about a, a recent TV movie that he shot in the South, but he's been with us uh, at least four times before. He's uh, a fountain of information. You're going to want to stay tuned. You're going to hear what he has to say. And uh, all of these interviews are available at RexSykes.com. That's the official uh, web URL for uh, Movie Beat. And I'm your host, Rex Sykes. So if you go to RexSykes.com, at the interviews blog, all of these discussions you can listen to live uh, using the link, read the bio, use the link, and or you can listen to over 400 hours of professional filmmakers uh, talk about movie making and TV and content and story and editing and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's also RexSykesMovieBeat.com. M-E, that's the blog, it's the new blog, and uh, Rex's recent biographies on there as well as on the official site, and from either place, you can use the link to listen to the show, and if you're listening live, you can join us in the chat room. All we ask in return for giving all this information to you absolutely of no charge, we give it to filmmakers and actors and, and writers absolutely free. The only thing we ask of you is two things. One, leave comments at the player when you do, listen live or archived, Rate and review the podcasts when you subscribe, or if you subscribe because you can from iTunes, they're absolutely free. And spread the word. Share this uh, electronically in your favorite social media means, or spread it by word of mouth, or in everyday you know life by phone or email or uh, in person. All right. So share it, help us spread it, rate and review it, leave comments. That's all you have to do. And other than that, listen and enjoy and learn because you will. Let me tell you about my guest. Uh, Rex Piano, he's a director. He uh, graduated from the New York School of Arts, and he worked as a first AD in dozens of commercials and films until he took a full-time position at New York Commercial Production Company in 85 as head of production for uh, O'Quinn Productions. He produced numerous videos for Fangoria Magazine, and in 87 he became the head of production uh, for Associated Television International. He wrote, produced, or directed several TV specials and numerous travel videos. He also co-wrote and line produced the feature The Chill Factor, starring Paul Williams, Patrick McNee, and Andrew Prine. He then produced Severed Ties in 91 for Fangoria Films, and in 95 he produced a syndicated TV show High Tide starring Rick Springfield. He's become one of the series rotating, he became one of the series rotating directors. 
Um, some of the episodic shows Rex has directed was Mike Hammer, Private Eye, Silk Stockings, Born Free, Air America, and Nightmare. In 2000, he produced and directed the multi-award-winning romantic comedy feature The Month of August. He followed that with a highly viewed and acclaimed uh, TV movie, Hope Ranch, for the Animal Planet, and then began directing TV movies that aired on PAX and Lifetime Television. He has directed or produced 21 movies, and in 2007, he was the primary director on Rome, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire for the History Channel. That and much more. And I'm going to have Rex come up and talk to you right now as we welcome Rex to the show today. How you doing, Rex? I'm doing well, Rex. Good morning. And <laughs> hey, great to be so back. Cool. It's so cool having another Rex. It's so cool. <laughs> if you're like me, you grew up with a few, with very few of them. You yeah, may have been the only I one. One other Rex growing up. That was it. I did too, and it was my dad. <laughs> right. Oh, wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm not a junior. I mean, I, we have different middle names, but uh, yeah, my dad was named Rex, and uh, and and myself, and those are the only Rexes I ever knew, other than Rex Reason and Rex Rhodes. Right. And Rex Harrison, you know, movie stars. And this is well, my dad named me after his favorite cowboy actor, an actor oh. named Rex Stout. I think it was. Yes. So. How cool but enough is that? With the Rexes here. Let's talk That's about right. movie making, buddy. You have been busy. You were recently in Mississippi. Can you tell us what it was, what you did, and your and the uh, the link to your website is your name, correct? Is it rexpiano.com? dot yeah, com? It really is rexpiano dot com. Right. But no, I was doing. A, I shot a picture in Biloxi, Mississippi. It'll come out after the first of the year. It's called Impact Earth, and it's about a giant meteor that's going to destroy the planet. And um, there were lots of challenging things to do in the picture. You know, again, it's uh, we shot it in 18 days, which actually was somewhat of a luxury, considering a lot of the movies I'd shot before we'd do in 10 or 12 days. Sure. But yes, that said, it was much more ambitious cast-wise, story-wise, location-wise than any of these other like little lifetime pictures because they were primarily psychological thrillers. More um, more about, you know, dialogue scenes. This picture had car chases, chases in oh, the woods. So 18 days came and went very, very quickly. But luckily, we had a very good crew. And um, the first time I'd shot with my DP on a feature film, he had been, his name is Nick Gardner. The guy's terrific. He had been my Steadicam operator on about five movies. Uh-huh. And then when I went to Lithuania to do the History of Rome series, he was the DP as well as one of the directors. So he and I hadn't shot together in several years. And it was exciting because um, most of my pictures have been shot by the same DP. And he and I have almost like a nonverbal communication. So working with a new D- new DP had challenges of its own, but it was also really exciting because he would bring in ideas that I wouldn't even have thought about. And as you know, filmmaking is a collaboration. I mean, as the director, you're the captain of the ship, but you don't necessarily always steer it in the right direction. So with this new DP, he brought in fresh eyes, a fresh vision, and ideas that, you know, complemented mine or were better than mine. So that was a real fun aspect of doing the picture. 
Very cool. Very cool. Well, so uh, you are now hired on as the director, and uh, you, you obviously you're, you're working with, is it the TV production company that's that's doing the project? I mean, no, it's a, it's actually it's a new company that um, has a lot of veterans in it, and I mean, the, so they have they're going to be making feature films. They're making oh. movies for television or for cable. So they have a lot of various projects in the on their pipeline in their pipeline. And the funny thing is, the way I got this movie, and this is why. When you're doing interviews, no matter how long, you know, interviews for a job, never forget who you meet with. I got a call out of the blue from this gentleman who had, I'd been recommended to this company, and his name sounded familiar, so I met with him, and I hadn't seen this man since 1988. It was one of my first interviews in Hollywood when I moved out here. Oh, wow. And... At the time, he was a producer. I'd written a script that he was interested in that went nowhere. And now, cut to almost 30 years later, the guy calls me up. And once we saw each other, we remembered our initial meeting. And, um, you know, hopefully, knock wood, I'll be doing more projects with him. Very so cool. You, you don't want to you want to burn certain bridges, but not all of them. So <laughs> just a word of advice. That's very, very cool, very true. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the setup. You, you, uh, you, you've done the interview, they've given you the script, you've agreed to do it, and now you're, you're moving into, you know, pre-production or the, develop, the developing. Right. Well, we, what happened with this picture, we had, we have, it's not done yet, we have a very, uh, our, our, our delivery date is very close. So there were certain things that I wanted, and most of them were met. When you're doing a picture like this, pre-production is key. You need to have the time to plan it well, especially lower-budgeted films. And in pre-production, it's the cheapest time to spend the smartest amount of money because you only have five or six people on your payroll. And within that time, you can secure all of your locations, get um, all of your sets that you're going to have to build determined. As a director, it also gives you time to design the look of the movie. Generally, when I do a picture, I'll storyboard various sequences if they're complex in terms of car chases or stunts, that kind of thing. Otherwise... I do a shot list for the entire picture. And then when I go through the script and compare it to my shot list, I make sure that I have kind of a, a visual chart <clears throat> that will show me where I will have coverage in scenes, scenes that I can get away with if I shoot it as a oneer. So it really helps me and helps a lot of directors plan out the and design the vision of their film when they say, what is your vision? Well, on this movie, well, I was supposed to have like a month prep. It ended up being a week and a half prep. So oh, Lord. it lasted for about the first five days. Then I just had to start winging it because I didn't have the time to board the whole picture. Also, 
you know, we didn't have our locations or our cast all locked in. So it became a bit of a kickballic scramble towards the end. You know, we were casting people literally the day before they showed up, which also created a potential problem with wardrobe. I mean, all of these things stack up, and if you don't have the time to resolve them, then what happens is you start spending stupid money. You're you're wasting funds that you shouldn't have had to. But circumstances that they were, you know, this happened with us. And luckily, we managed to correct all of the issues prior to, but it didn't allow me or some of the department heads the time that we all would have liked to properly prepare for the filmmaking. Wow. Well, um, what do you uh, when you are faced with uh, having like less than three weeks that you were counting on and less time to prepare? How do you how do you rise to meet those challenges? What I mean, you you've described some of the issues. How do you circumvent that or well, navigate it? Might be better. Some you don't rise to the occasion. Some you fail at miserably. Um, a lot of it. You know, in terms of how the film was being shot, that's why I was saying earlier, with this new DP, I would sometimes get to a set or in a scene and say, oh my gosh, how the hell am I going to shoot this thing? I'm kind of brain dead and fried right now. And I'd look at the DP and he'd say, look, why don't we do it this way? And I would stage the scene. I mean, what I generally do is, once we get to a location, I have in my mind how I want to tell the story visually. And I will kind of give a hint to the actors. But then I say, okay, guys, let's just run the scene and see how it falls apart. See what doesn't work. Once we stage it, we then, with the DP, I des- you know, we decide, okay, this is how we'll shoot it. We'll get a master that brings them into here, then we'll get two close-ups and we're done. Or whatever is entailed in covering the scene. And then in my script, I'll, like I said, I'll have notes of, okay, I need a close-up of his hand dialing the phone or whatever whatever it may be. Um, but a lot of times, when you don't have the time to design all this in the beginning, you just have to wing it. And luckily, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, so I know what I can get away with. It might not be the ideal way to shoot it or how I want to shoot it, but I know it will work. I'll also then look at my script. In my script, I generally jot down the amount of shots I've done in each scene so that when I look at my script or at the production report or the script notes, I can say, okay, the outgoing scene I have four shots in. The one that I've already shot that's after this scene has coverage, so if I have to, I can do this as a one no coverage, because I'll be able to um, fix the timing with the incoming and the outgoing scenes, if that makes sense. Uh, if you care to elaborate, go ahead. Well, <laughs> it does. again, when, when you when you shoot a movie, all of these movies you have to have to be a certain length, minute wise. Japan wants ninety four minutes. Europe wants ninety three, or a minimum of. So. As a director, you have to be conscious of how long 
your movie is going to be and still be entertaining, hopefully, and still be good. Um, so in the editing process, you want to allow yourself to increase the length or shorten it. And the way you do that is through coverage, so that if you shoot a scene as a oneer, you cannot change the length of that. Now, if you have three shots in it, well, then you can make the scene play a little longer or a little shorter. And now, once you multiply that over a hundred scenes that are in a movie, you know you can add or subtract four or five minutes. So when you do a oneer, which is no coverage. Then you're limiting your options in the editing room, and you never want to do that. That's uh, excellent, excellent uh, uh, advice for uh, our listeners out there. I really do appreciate that. Um, so, so how do you? I mean, the idea is, let's say you've got five pages, and and you roughly estimate that it's literally five minutes long. It's going to be, you know, which which in many cases you do or don't have um that length of scene but but for the sake of argument let's say you had this 5 minute scene and it's it's critical what you're saying is if you have a oneer there's nothing you can do to make it run longer or shorter but cut you know probably valuable pieces out of it which which may make it play um less effectively so by covering it now you could make that same scene play Six, seven, eight minutes, or two or three minutes, because right, you have more because, choices. You have yeah. I mean, for instance, our picture. You know, I did my first cut on my movie, and luckily I was long. I was like ninety-eight minutes, so I have five minutes to play with because I want to. I want to del- actually. I want to deliver a ninety-four-minute movie because the also the other thing. When you when you do films and you have to deliver them to different countries, well, if the movie is ninety three minutes, and that's fine for everywhere in the world, except for Japan, and Japan wants ninety four minutes. Well, sometimes I've had to go in and recreate that same movie with another minute to get the Japan sale. But what that does is it means you then have to re-online the film. You have to do a separate M&E track. So I mean, it's a huge expense to satisfy just one market. So if I can make the movie interesting for at 94 minutes for everybody, it's a savings for the producers, for the film. You know, it's it's just a lot better. So for instance, this picture. I had a bloody five-page scene of people talking, two people talking, and we covered it. Um, gosh, I think there were probably about fourteen shots in the setup because they move around a room, they have a Skype conversation, blah blah blah. So there was lots of coverage on it, but um, um, it was also. Um, I'm sorry, I had a brain thing for a second here. Um, That's okay. There's, also, there's a lot of background noise too. Yeah, no, I know somebody. Had, um, my car has to be moved. But uh, huh? anyway, sorry about this. The um, so I was watching the movie, and the movie was dragging at this point because it was going on for like five minutes of 
exposition chatter that I didn't feel the movie needed. So my editor and I, two days ago, cut like three and a half minutes out. And luckily we have that in the overall duration of our picture. And all of the information that we took out, even though it was good, it was slowing down the overall pace of the film. And because we had all of this coverage, we were able to almost like surgically remove one line or two lines. So, um, you know, that's why you need coverage when you shoot a scene especially of that length. Uh, that's, uh, you know, really, really uh, good. I don't know that most people, I mean, well, uh, you obviously you know it if you work in television, you work in, in delivering, you know, to uh, to to businesses. If you're making your own kind of spec film and you've never done it before, you know, you don't know what you're going to encounter until you encounter it. So this is a good right. heads up for those for those emerging filmmakers to pay attention to all the different kinds of things they need to know about uh, in order to more easily sell their movie and and or or make their movie, as you point out, you know what you have to go back and retool and redo um, because you didn't do it essentially in camera is uh, um, a very very valuable advice I think to anyone well, listening right now. Plus, I mean, again, it's you were visual storytellers, so <clears throat> the dialogue might be terrific, it might be scintillating. But sometimes it gets visually boring. So, you know, as a, when you stage a scene, you don't want their movement to be unorganic, if that's such a word. You want it to be natural. But, for instance, if they start in the kitchen and they move to the dining room, well, you can follow them from one room to the other in one piece. But once they sit down, you're going to want to cover them at the dining room table versus just having them stay by the coffee machine because everyone normally in real life doesn't just stay in one spot. And because we're telling stories visually, we have to keep it visually interesting. So that's where coverage comes in. And, you know, I mean, a trick that I always do and I learned this in episodic TV was once I once I get them to where they're landed, say at the at the dining room table, so now they're having coffee with each other. I'll get them there in a two shot, you know, where I see both of them, and then I'll move the camera in so I'm shooting a what's called a dirty over, which means I'm fa I'm shooting the person talking to the person where the camera is, and I will include that person in the shot. Then I'll go, I'll punch in tighter and just have a close-up. So basically from one camera setup, I can get at least three shots out of it. So there are little tricks that you learn, you know, so you don't always have to move your, cam move your camera or, or a whole new setup to tell the story. Now, when you also when you're talking coverage, you're talking about coverage and not cutaways. You're covering the scene. Right, right. But again, the beauty of, and this took me a while to understand, because um, sometimes I'll get kind of like a myopic, just uh, I, I won't be able to see the whole thing in my head. And 
you know, a cutaway of somebody picking up, putting sugar in their coffee. Well, that can be the same shot. I mean, I'll sometimes do a, a third take for them reacting and listening to the person who's off camera and just grab those pieces, you know, have the actor duplicate their action, but the camera will focus on their hands stirring their coffee, follow it up to them as they take a sip, go back to, you know, whatever their hand is doing. The things that you think you need to help move the scene along and things that are important depending on what's happening in that scene. You know, if they're getting ready to go out to work and they grab their car keys. All those little things come back to save you. I mean, for instance, this picture I'm doing now, I'm like, why the hell didn't I get this shot, you know, um, of the guy turning on the car radio while he was driving? Because now I might have to shoot an insert of it in post, which is a pain in the butt. So when you're designing your picture, you know, you almost have to think outside the box and try to come up with, Every kind of scenario, okay, what's going to help me in the editing room? What's going to help me? What in this scene did I never like? You know, if I put on the car radio now, suddenly I can get some exposition. There's a traffic jam so that the guy has to leave earlier or whatever the case may be. And I'm finding that in this picture I just did, I missed some of those things. And that was because I really didn't have the time to think it all the way through in the pre-production stage, which brings us back to why pre-production is so important. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and one of my all-time favorite quotes, an aphorism, a truism, you uh, you know, a motivational saying, whatever you want to call it, is to enjoy enduring success, one must travel in a little bit in advance of the world. And I have always, you know, utilized that to say, you got to be out there in front of it in order to to make it happen. So the pre-planning, the pre-production, the ability to think, you know, forward and go, what is it that I might need for editing? If you just said, are the are the is the way I think that people more successfully navigate. It's always you're caught with your pants down when you go, oh crap, you know, we never, no pun intended, yeah. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> but you know, when you, when, when you're caught with going, geez, I never thought to include that. I never, I didn't think about those things. And now, and now, and now they are missing. And that does come about because of pressure and time constraints and lack of pre-production. And, and we don't always have the luxury we'd like to have you know, when it comes to doing something. So this is all very, very valuable, valuable advice, both, I think, to the seasoned, you know, filmmaker as well as the emerging filmmaker. Um, And I appreciate you, you know, bringing that up. Um, Now, in terms of casting, I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm on, a, on another movie right now myself, and and one of the actors was complaining that he just got his his scene last, you know, the night before at ten o'clock. You know, he's now he's now knows what he's got to shoot the next day. And I'm like, you know, be thankful you're in a movie for goodness sakes. You know, have a good time with it. You know, you're working. You're not. You know, I mean, I know that you're not able to spend the time that you want. You know, and then and then he was a little bit upset with what the director was. You know, how the director was directing him and things like this. And I'm like, just go with it. You know, because they're looking at the monitor and they're they're determining what works and it either does or it doesn't. But you're getting paid and you're doing your you're doing your 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 you know your work. You know, you you brought it. You know, and and you were able to deliver it. Um, 
I say that because that's that's from you know this particular actor's standpoint, and uh, and yet you as a director maybe having to cast because of the situation you're in, like you mentioned, the night before. Yeah, it's it's not the ideal way. That for said, anyone. yeah, no, for anyone. And um, regarding, you know, what, what you have to do. I mean, it takes me usually several hours on the set to learn how to work with each individual actor because everyone you have to approach differently. Um, in this picture, there were several actors that, you know, had their character totally different than how I saw it. Sure. And you can't just say, because an actor has a craft that you have to respect, I have a vision that they have to respect, and sometimes those don't match up. So, right. and I tell you, on this picture, there was there were a couple actors that you know wanted to change their dialogue, and none of this is Shakespeare. So you know that's fine as long as they're getting the point of the scene across. Um, there were a few instances where I saw them just like taking the exit ramp off the freeway that I was driving on. And I had to bring them back. And that said, I had to let them veer off a little bit to appease them. And, you know, now looking at the cut of the show, because when I direct a movie, the footage is sent to my editor, who's editing it while I'm shooting it. And... A few moments in the movie that really work well are moments that I never even thought about. It was stuff that the actor did, and I just went with it and filmed it. And those were the moments that the actor knew more about their character than I did because they had just focused on that character, whereas the the micro, where I, I was looking at the macro... So you want to have that freedom or give that freedom to actors to embellish what's in the script. Because, like I said, there are three moments I can cite specifically in my movie that were never in the script, but the actor added it and with the other actors, and it made it work much better than I had envisioned. So, you know, like I said, everyone is an artist who's working on a movie. It is collaborative. So you don't want to hamper them. You want them to to be able to explore and to add certain elements. Uh, that's excellent. And, and, and from the actor's standpoint, I also think, um, and, and I'm not referring to the actor who worked yesterday or the day before, um, in this other production, I'm just saying that actors have to be prepared for whenever they're called to rise to the occasion too. If they if they consider themselves a professional actor, and anything you know can happen to make it, our jobs tougher. So that that idea that you know um, uh, you hire somebody, they're on the set, they have to respect your vision, you have to respect their work, you and somehow you you are able to forge that collaborative relationship even when you don't have time. You know that that you would like to be able to do it in, um, you know, is is part I think about being professional as opposed to being 
unprofessional. Sure, and I mean, a very important thing that a lot, a lot of actors aren't that good at. Luckily, most of them are. If you're a seasoned pro, it bec- it comes naturally. But, I mean, I ran into this issue with some of the actors, seasoned and non-seasoned on this film. Sure. Is matching their actions. Yeah. Because... You know, if you don't match your actions in each take, then going from a wide shot to a close-up, you have to cut away. So, you know, I had discussions with some of the actors on this saying, guys, match yourself because it will only help you. Otherwise, I will have to cut away possibly at a moment where I don't want to because you're not matching yourself. You know, picking up the coffee the same way, taking the sip on the same line. These are things that aren't really taught in acting schools, the technical side of being an actor. And it's really important for actors to remember those things because that's your job. And if you don't do it, then it could hurt. You'll get less face time, as they call it, because... I might have to cut away to something else to bridge that sequence. Again, an excellent, excellent point. And uh, you're right. I mean, in most cases, I, I, I used to work with a woman, and, that, that, and I now work alone. She passed away. But in teaching acting for Cameron, that is a, a very strong component of what we did teach and what I learned. Um, having said all of that, what you said and what I said, that is the difficulty of being cast at the last moment. If you don't have the time to prepare, it's much, much harder to plan those moments so that they, one, look spontaneous, and two, that you remember them. Because um, yeah. if you're winging it, you, you, know, it's, it's, you, you know, you don't know where your attention is. You know, it's, it's very hard to go, okay, um, all right, and, you know, I did this at that moment. But the more that you do it on the fly the more you're able to do it on the fly. So Right, you get better necessity, at it if, yeah, if you're conscious re- of it. Right. If you realize that that's a skill you need to develop, and, and what you're saying is this is one of those crucial skills that actors need to learn, and sadly, in most cases, they aren't learning it. They're learning about other things, but they aren't learning how to be technically proficient when they show up on a set so that they can um, enjoy um, getting the most coverage possible without ca- without being the cause for the cutaway. Right, exactly. Because, I mean, there are any number of reasons why you might cut away, but if, if, if one of those is because they aren't up to snuff with their performance, then they really aren't helping themselves. And then that's an excellent point that you make. Awesome. Well, so um, you, uh, gosh, I mean, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> uh, you also shot with the red. Uh, so, so you're yeah, shooting on the, the first, for the first time, time. I shot with the red camera, and what amazed me was the size of it, how small it is. And um, like I said, I'd, I've been shooting, you know, with film cameras. I've done a lot of video movies, you know, digital movies, not video, sure, sure. where we would actually record onto videotape. But I had never shot with the red camera, which is all just digital dots and X's or whatever the hell they are. But um, it was amazing how small this camera is and how beautiful the pictures are. And a lot of that is because how my DP lit it. But um, 
what was amazing was you're seeing as you shoot what you're capturing. Now they call it capturing versus filming. Right. And um, how you can adjust it, the multitude of things you can do. Um, some of the action stuff, we'd call it skinnying up the shutter so it had that Saving Private Ryan look. Well, in film, if you did something like that, there was no way to go back and change it. So we shot this movie, and there was one scene I shot. There was a whole sequence that we did with, like, the skinny shutter, so it looked like that kind of pixelated or the Saving Private Ryan stuttery shot. And um, I called the DP, and I was this one scene we did that way, I hate how it looks now. It just doesn't flow with the rest of the movie because it kind of sticks out. Is there a way I can unskinny the shutter after we've already shot it? And he's like, oh, yeah, there's a, an app that you download or you do it in post. You know, you, you change it so it looks normal. Whereas in film, you never had that ability to do anything like that. So, I mean, it was real exciting to shoot on this new technology, for me anyway, because it allowed me so many variables in what I could do to visually manipulate what I was capturing. Wow. If that um, made- <laughs> yes, yes. But one of the other things about the... Uh, you know the red and the, the the capturing of digital information is now you can you can punch in on the what you've captured you can now edit in post or you know pan and scan and focus different areas or get close ups that you would never have gotten on the set right you can now i mean we shot this I don't want to get too technical because I don't really know what it means. But we shot it in 444, which is like the highest resolution. So we had a scene that I I shot it, and I hated someone who was just kind of in the shot, not really doing anything. And I wanted to blow the shot up. So because we captured it such a high resolution... We could literally blow up the shot almost 50%. So what we had to do, because when you edit, you don't use your camera original, we had to get the original file and blow that up and then reinsert that in the film. But, I mean, it was so easily done. And, I mean, now I have a car chase scene. Well, when I shot it, I shot all of the interiors on basically one lens because we didn't have time. But now, in the post-process, I can, even if I punch in 10 or 15%, as the chase progresses to make it more dynamic, I can get closer and closer and closer, almost like Brian De Palma was famous for these jump zooms that he would do. So, I mean, you can do that now with the technology, even if you just shoot it on one lens. In post, you can, you know, bop, 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 snap it in tighter. So that's a lot of fun to do. I mean, the fun, because post is where you save or kill the picture. You know, if you, I've done movies that I'm like, geez, this is a dog. And in post, I was able to fix it. And then I'll do scenes that work beautifully, and in post, I'll screw it up but then I'll always have the ability to go back 
and unscrew it up. So those are things that you're not really going to appreciate until you start editing the movie. Pardon me, like I said, this picture now, we've gone through. I should be done with it later today with my latest cut. And um, we've so far trimmed out about four minutes. Now, the movie may end up being too short. I, I think we'll probably end up about a minute short. But I know that I have sequences that, although they might not be ideal, I still have the footage to go back and lengthen and shorten some, uh, lengthen stuff if I have to. Wow, that is really cool. Uh, I mean, that is really cool, and it's valuable information for all of us to have. Rex, we are at that point where I need to take a brief break and let the listeners know what's coming up. So uh, just hang in there right there, and uh, we'll be right back with you. I'm really enjoying this, and I know our listeners are as well. Uh, You're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official URL is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. It's my name. And the official blog is RexSykesMovieBeat.me. It's RexSykesMovieBeat.me. My guest today is director Rex Piano. He's been on about four times before. He's always got a lot to say and a lot to share. So uh, go back to either one of those uh, URLs I just gave you and uh, and look up Rex's biography, read it, use the link there to uh, listen to previous shows or to share so that other people can hear uh, Rex maybe for the very first time. Everything is archived uh, at rexsykes.com. It's also at Blog Talk. It's also at the uh, iTunes store at, in the form of podcast. My next guest coming up will be on the 8th. It'll be a Wednesday. It'll be Mike Michael Beckner, Michael Frost Beckner. We're doing the writer series, and uh, so we'll be joining uh, Michael again on Wednesday. Typically, the shows are on Thursdays, but because of schedules and different things for, for me as well as my guests, that they may shift. Uh, Thursday the 16th, Peter Marshall returns for the director's series, and we, we're way up in like episode 29 right now, so there's 29 hours of discussion with Peter Marshall on directing uh, movies and television, working with actors. On the 22nd is Jeff Gendelman. He's the producer of a movie called The Surface, which debuts October 9th at the Milwaukee Film Festival, which is going on right now in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It stars Sean Astin, Chris Mulkey. Uh, It's directed by Gil Case Jr. Those will be in attendance right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at the Oriental Theater on October 9th. If you're in the listening area, please do uh, make attempts to attend if you're able. The movie also will open in the area uh, at Marcus Theaters, and that information can be found on the web. Milwaukee Film Festival, um, their website is uh, MKE uh, Film dot org and uh, you can find out more about the festival at my uh, blog also coming up is the flyway film festival a wonderful festival in october the 23rd to the 26th in pepin wisconsin if you've never attended this festival uh you certainly will want to uh, uh, a very wonderful festival i'll be there and the wyawiga film festival comes up in um in uh, november on the uh, the uh, 13th, 14th, 15th, and I believe the 16th of November, we will have both the uh, director of Flyway coming up. I haven't scheduled that date, but we will also have um, the directors of the Wyoiga Film Festival on the 30th of October. So you're going to want to stay tuned to these. If there's events you'd like to attend, and uh, if you're at all in uh, the listening area, uh, be sure to do so. I'm back with uh, Mr. Rex piano 
and uh, and we're continuing to talk about a recent movie. What's the name of the movie, and, and how are they going to be able to see it? And uh, your website, again, is rexpiano.com. Um, I, I want to make sure that people can, when uh, when it comes up, they know what to look for. Right. Well, the picture is called Impact Earth. Like, I guess, like the meteor is going to make an impact. Um Indeed. I don't know where they have yet to sell the domestic on it. Um, so it'll be done and available probably after the first of the year. And based on the scope of the picture, it'll either be on a cable network or it'll be you know, straight to DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, the picture stars Tom Berenger, who is wonderful to work with. Oh, that's very An cool. Actor very. Named uh, Bernard Curry, who's been on a lot of TV shows, a couple of actresses, I mean, in terms of name, an actress, sure. Brooke Langton, who is in The Replacements with Gene Hackman and Keanu Reeves. She was on that TV series Friday Night Lights. And then a young actress named Caitlin Carver, who is currently on this TV series The Fosters. So, I mean, we have a great group of leading oh and also Lou Temple who's been on The Walking Dead for a while. Um great bunch of actors. The smaller parts, as I said, were all cast out of New Orleans that are character actors that you've seen in a bunch of movies. Um so I mean I was blessed with actually a a very good script and a wonderful cast. So Hope you know I'm I'm very optimistic about the project and it should be available after the first of the year. I don't know where. Once I do, I'll post it on my website. I'll get you the information as well. Excellent. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So um, you are working for another company and you are the director and you've come in and you've been given. Uh, not as much time as pre-production as you'd like. What is it? What can you t- discuss that director relationship? Being the hired gun for a company, what what kind of uh, uh, pressures, concerns, uh, the the upside, the downside of the, of that kind of working relationship for people who are interested in getting into uh, you know being a director for hire when you, as sure. opposed to making I mean, their own their own vanity project. What. Um... One thing that a lot of people, when they're starting out, don't appreciate being a hired gun, a hired director, is that not only do you have the responsibility to make a good movie and tell it the way you think it's the best way to be told, but you also have a a fiduciary responsibility. You have to be able to promise that you will make this film within the budget that you've agreed to make the film in. So you have to make choices, and that's why having been a producer, it's helpful to me, because I know what's gonna, where I'm going to spend more money and where I'm not going to. So I make these creative choices that are based on financial realities. I always say to producers, the money's not going to change. The only thing we control is the script. So we have to then change the script to match the budget. 
Because, again, a lot of these movies, especially these action disaster movies, it's like, you know, the city gets destroyed. Well, if you don't have the money to to destroy a city, the city can't get destroyed. So you have to find a creative alternative that works emotionally the same way, but isn't going to cost you your entire budget for, you know, two scenes in the picture. So working with these producers, luckily they understood that. They also appreciated that I understood it, knowing that I had been a producer, and I have, because I've directed a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies, you know, a lot of the second guessing never occurred because they knew they were trusting me. But that trust was based on the fact that I've been doing it for a long time. You know, a new director, these are challenges that they're going to face. And some battles you're going to win, some you're going to lose. But that's all part of the process of learning the craft of directing and movie making. Um, In this picture we had, there was all of this dialogue in a car scene. And luckily, Mississippi is known for it'll be sunny, then it'll rain for five minutes, then it'll be sunny again. So we had all of this car dialogue. So I, I said, look, guys, I would love to do this on a shot maker and a process trailer. That's where you put a car on a trailer and you film it, you tow it with another vehicle. And this was a beautiful process trailer we had. We could put a dolly up with the car so you could get compound movements. The car is driving one way, and the dolly, you've seen it in big-budget Hollywood movies. While they're driving, the camera comes around, and from the front to the side. So I was really excited. These things, though, take about three hours minimum to set up. So we do a rehearsal. It works beautifully. Just as we're about to start shooting, a torrential rainstorm comes Uh in. And it was... There's a lot of lightning down there. So suddenly this was this dangerous thing. And there's no rain in the whole movie. So we're racing to park under an overpass in case lightning hits. There's sheets of rain coming down everywhere. Long story short, we lost the entire day. So here was our big production expenditure to cover all of this dialogue beautifully And we lost the entire day because of the rain. So afterwards, you know, they're like, what can we do? I'm like, there's nothing we can do. We can't do poor man's process, which means you park the car and you put lights behind it and you shake the car a little bit. We couldn't do that because these were all day exterior scenes. So my DP, knowing that we'd shot, that we'd lost the day, encapsulated it the best way anyone could. He said, Rex, this whole movie we've kind of shot handheld, steady cam, kind of like a verite style. He said, as soon as we tried to get fancy, the film gods opened the clouds and rained on us. <laughs> that means we should cover everything like we've done it before, handheld inside the car, you know, port." the cheap way, not the big expensive Hollywood way. So because that occurred, it actually added an energy that these scenes needed that they wouldn't have had 
had we shot them the initial way. So it worked out for the best, even though it it cost me a day. So, you know, it wasn't a true 18-day shoot. It was really a 17-day shoot. So we had to add that stuff onto other days, which meant, you know, I had to cover what I was catching up in not the optimal way that I had intended to. It is, um, the, I think one of the things that makes movie making so appealing to me are these problems. You know, it is, it's not that you want them, but it's the, when you, when you think on your feet and you're challenged that way, it makes you feel a little bit more alive. And if you successfully uh, resolve it, then uh, you can feel proud. And if you didn't resolve it as best as you thought you could, well, there may be a little bit of disappointment in it, but at least you tried, you know, I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it is, it is, it is a, 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 an intriguing business for, for all of the things that can, it, you know, go wrong <laughs> and dependent no, on so many things. Believe working. me, a lot of things do go wrong, but that's, oh. that's again, why when you do film stuff, I mean, we had a sequence, this movie the the third act, they're all down in this underground bunker that was this multi-room area. And the scenes were such that certain people were in this room, others were in the living room, others were in the bedroom. So the, the pace at which we were shooting, I screwed up, and in this one scene, these two actors are supposed to be in the room. Now, in the script it doesn't say both of them are there. But the the last time we've seen them, they're both there. And then the scene later, they're both there. So, of course, when I shot it, only one actor was there. <laughs> now I'm watching the editing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, where's the other actress? She should have been in the room. And my editor's like, I know, but she's not. And I was like, okay, well, what we have to do is We'll go down later in the movie and steal two shots that a close-up of her in the room, and then we'll just trim this master shot so that we don't see all the way in the room. So what we did was, and this, this is the kind of stuff I love to solve these issues in post. We now have the mom comes in and calls for her husband, and... We stole two close-ups from a scene that's 20 minutes later in the movie. But luckily, the characters, I could find places where one just like looks to where the door is and exits the frame. Not that it had anything to do with the scene. But we've created the illusion through smoke and mirrors of editing that the mom goes into the room, sees both of them, the movie audience will see both of them, and then the dad leaves. So that was purely created by finding shots from different sequences in the movie and building this scene. And it's seamless. So, I mean, that's one of the fun challenges you face, but it's also a reason why you need to get coverage, as I said earlier before. Now, um without blaming anyone other than yourself, because, I mean, you said, hey, I missed this. But what about your script supervisor? What, you know, are... This, well, is, normally, this... normally, again, this goes back to to the pre-production phase. Because what you do normally is you'll not, not necessarily have a read-through, but you will have a production meeting. 
where you go over the entire script before you shoot there, before you start to shoot, and you run through every scene. And that would be a, a, a scenario wherein I would... This girl is in the scene two before. She's not in the script in this scene, but she has to be in there. The pace at which we were shooting was so fast that I missed it and the script supervisor missed it, and that's partially due to the fact that we never had the ability to go through and talk about all of this before we started shooting. That occurred with props in the movie. You know, certain things have to track through various scenes so that you always have them there. But you need the time to discuss that with the department heads. And, and, and this is that, we didn't we never had a production meeting on this movie. Um, so those were mistakes that occurred, and luckily we caught most of them. Some of them we didn't. Well, that's a, that's a, again. I'm glad we're having this discussion because there, it it it, it goes back to you know what should hopefully occur prior to uh, running your camera that uh, makes it smoother, easier, and less problematic for you. It's very easy to blame anyone. You know, and go well. Why isn't that there? But if you look, if you can look back and go, you know what? If we had been able to meet and the department has been able to discuss it, everything, then, you know, it's 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 not so much an individual's fault as it's just the, you know what I mean? It's just the luck of the draw. You know, when you're doing these kinds of movies, any kind of movie, there is so much information that has to be. Uh, disseminated to everybody involved that it's so key to have that one day. You know, we didn't do a tech scout on this movie. So a lot of times we'd show up at a location that we'd never even been to and say, okay, how are we going to make this work? And it's not really fair to the DP, to the lighting guys, to to anybody. Um, But it's the nature of low-budget, lower-budget filmmaking. Right, and 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 if an emerging filmmaker, if they're doing their spec skip and they're not working for anybody else, and they can, these are the kinds of things that they need to uh, pay attention to and listen to, and and include a tech scout. Um, you know, that day when you go through the script, uh, all the different kinds of things that make a difference for when you get to the set and begin shooting. Yeah, no, it's key. Yeah, if you could have a year to pre-produce, I think it would be good. <laughs> Maybe a little bit too much time, but uh, right. you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, let me just check and see where we are time-wise. Wow, we've got uh, about 20 minutes, I think, left. So, oh, we uh, do? We're good. It's 9 o'clock almost. Yeah, we go, we go about 80 minutes, so. We do? Okay, well, my phone is beeping like it's going to die. So I might have to <laughs> Well, maybe we'll wrap we'll, I tell you what, we'll wrap this up then so that your phone doesn't die in mid-sentence. We'll wrap it up soon, and then we'll just have you back at another time to continue. Because this, this is really a, a, a fascinating and valuable conversation. I love talking to you anyway, so um, we'll, we'll have you back. Well, I appreciate that. No, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles now in a dead zone, so my cell phone won't work, so I'm using my friend's cordless phone and it keeps beeping at me 
Well, did I lose well, you? Okay. Oh, you're there. Okay, you're still there. No, I'm Good. here. Uh, okay, well, so let's see. Yeah, we are just about at the top of the hour, so why don't we do that? I mean, if, if uh, why don't I let you have the last word here for today in, in terms of uh, what final advice you would give for today's session, and then I'll let you go, and then you can charge your phone and take care of the rest of the things you need to take care of today, and then we'll just schedule another time in the future for you to come back, and, and like we would anyway, but uh, and we can either follow up with this or, or talk other things. So um, I, I'm good for that. Oh, all righty, and again, I apologize. Um, oh, no, 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 no worries. The most important, like I said, you know, when you're making a film – you have to be prepared and as a director and that is it's to to really read the script go through everything design it in your mind um write down you know in your script moments that are key to telling the story there's there are character arcs you need to plan and or at least know where those occur because those will dictate shooting it differently. You'll want that close up for that one line. So, you know, once you get on the set, everything usually changes. However, if you have a game plan that you've started with, then you can easily or more easily adapt to those changes that are thrown at you that you don't anticipate. If you know your story and you know what you want to do and how you want to tell it, it's much easier to have to go off script, as they say, and wing it because you'll you'll know what moments you have to cover and capture. And the more you know about your characters, about how you're pre-visualizing the movie, it will help you and rely on the people you're working with to give you good ideas, to be part of the collaboration. It's not, you know, this auteur theory that only the director knows and can tell the story the best, because that's not true in my opinion. You need everybody on your crew to help out as much as they can, because every job is as important as yours. And that's uh, that's what I would say. That's very well put. That is very well put. Well, so um, we're going to let you go then. And uh, everybody, I really appreciate this, Rex. We'll have you back. I'll call you back in a couple minutes, and hopefully your phone will still be active. And uh, and uh, everyone, you've been listening to Rex Piano. The uh, the upcoming movie that we're talking about currently is named Impact Earth. Your uh, website is rexpiano.com just as it sounds it is spelled and uh and I've been really glad to have you back on the on the show so no, um thank you I have a great you know you've got a great value and I appreciate that so have a great day and uh and be well and thank you so much All righty Rex I'll talk to you soon buddy thanks again All right man bye bye All right bye bye Fascinating guest knowledgeable director producer, Mr. Rex Piano. I'm so glad he was on the show, and uh, I'm glad that you're listening, and I hope that you will continue to share and spread the word about my guests and about the show and uh, and uh, and help us get that out there. Whenever you do, um, when you share, when you leave comments and, and, and do those things, it increases our web presence. It increases us in the search engine so that other people can, can kind of 
find us accidentally. You know, they may not know that we exist. They can they can come across us because of our presence on the internet. So whenever you comment on Facebook or Twitter, whenever you comment at the Blog Talk Radio uh, comment window, uh, it increases our visibility and makes it more probable that other people will find us as well. So I really do appreciate that. When you rate and review the podcast, it makes us more popular. Um, that's always a good thing. My next guest is on Wednesday, not on the Thursday, is Michael Frost Beckner. He'll be coming up, and so stay tuned. I will also, I may also, that uh, the, that week, next week, on Tuesday, may be having uh, Rick Vacious, who is the director of the um, Flyway Film Festival, which if you can attend, you're going to want to attend. If uh, same with the Wyoiga Film Festival, Wyoiga is in the middle of nowhere in the state of Wisconsin. It's uh, by Highway 10 up near Green Bay or Appleton, um, but a very well-programmed festival, one that that you will want to do and be at if you're a local area filmmaker. I mean, people come from Japan and Alaska and all over to uh, both of these festivals. I mean, um, we've had people from France and New York and Japan and Alaska and all around the country and, I mean, other places I can't even begin to think of uh, attend these these smaller festivals here in the state of Wisconsin because they're, because they're good quality and, and they're known um, for really revering and respecting the filmmakers. So check them out, Flyway Film Festival and uh, Wyoiga Film Festival. And then, of course, the Milwaukee Film Festival is ongoing now until October 9th. It will close with The Surface. Uh, Jeff Gendelman will be my guest on, I think, the 22nd of October. He is the producer and the writer of the screenplay, uh, the movie. He also had a part in it. Uh, Gil Cates directed it. Sean Astin and Chris Mulkey and Mimi Rogers star in it. And they will be in attendance on the 9th uh, in Milwaukee for the world premiere at the Milwaukee Film Festival. So uh, stay tuned uh, for other announcements. Go visit the blog, Rex Sykes Movie Beat M-E, and uh, visit R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com, the official site. And join me on Facebook at Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends, the Friends page, and follow on Twitter at Rex Sykes Movie BT. That last word is abbreviated. You're all great. I'm glad you're here. Make your movies, complete your projects. Until we meet the next time, that is a wrap.